Hello and welcome. This is the UC Santa Cruz News Roundup podcast, where we talk about the latest news and research from UC Santa Cruz. This, however, is a very unusual podcast for us, which I guess is par for the course because we're in very unusual times. With the spread of the novel coronavirus that causes COVID-19 and now the now statewide shelter-in-place order of California Governor Gavin Newsom, UC Santa Cruz staff and faculty are working remotely. And that's what Dan and I are doing. Hey, Dan. Yeah. Hi, welcome to my garage, Gwen. It's very scenic in here next to the laundry hamper and everything. Yeah, I know. Um, Yeah, we, we are unfortunately not in the glamorous recording studios Um, that we usually work out of. Instead, we are at our own homes and we're doing this uh, over technology. Yeah. um, Yeah, so we'll see how it goes. Well, uh, let us know how we're doing, (laughs) listeners. Um, In the meantime, UC Santa Cruz has suspended in-person classes and asked students to go to their permanent residences. The campus community made a major pivot to to remote education for the spring quarter to help prevent the spread of coronavirus. As finals week wrapped up, more than 6,800 students had indicated that they planned to move off campus for spring. Another 1,300 told housing officials they plan to remain in campus housing. Housing officials anticipate relocating some students to further increase social distancing. And as I said, we too are social distancing. Here we are recording our podcast through Zoom, which is probably the most popular company in the world right now. (laughs) Oh, no doubt. Why did I not invest? I know. Would have been good back in the day. Um, Back in the day two weeks ago. (laughs) Yes, exactly. So, So, dear listeners, forgive any poor audio quality or like kids in the background or whatever as we try out this new approach to getting the podcast out even in this strange and a little bit scary and uncertain environment. I'm Gwen Jordanay and I'm an editor for UC Santa Cruz News. I'm Dan White. I'm a writer for UC Santa Cruz News. And as I said, we're going to give an all COVID-19 all the time update from UC Santa Cruz. All right, so let's dive in. So first off, as I mentioned, UC Santa Cruz has suspended in-person classes, including lectures, discussion sections, labs, studios, field research, and field study courses for the full spring quarter. So that's the rest of the academic year. Um, At first, it was just the, the remainder of the winter quarter, but as things unfolded, it became clear that the campus would need to extend its distance learning all the way through spring. Students who were able to safely return to their permanent residence were urged to do so and should remain there for the remainder of the academic year. Students who do not have access to alternative housing or have other considerations remain on campus. Campus remains open. Functions critical to campus operation continue, including support services for students. Only our most essential research continuity work continues with modifications for shelter in place and social distancing guidelines. Most events are postponed or canceled, such as Alumni Weekend, which was gonna be in early April and is now going to have to be rescheduled to a later date. Um, Some events will resume online. So watch watch your email and check our calendar at calendar.eucsc.edu for ways you can remain engaged with the life of the university. 
In the shift to remote instruction, students have had to find new places and tools for learning. More than 1,500 instructors have redesigned their courses really fast um, and have modified the way they teach. So it's all been pretty incredible. And several of our alumni are part of the national response to this pandemic. Pulitzer winning journalist, Lori Garrett, a Merrill 75 alumna, is an expert resource for reliable information. And we have an interview with her on our news center at news.ucse.edu. And Dan, you did that interview with her. You also just interviewed an ER doctor who's an alumnus, John Hershon, a Porter 84 alum. So what struck you about that interview? Anything in particular stand out? Oh, yes, actually. Uh, Dr. Hershon is a doctor in Baltimore where cases are surging. Mm. And what really struck me is the fact that he and his colleagues know that they're putting themselves in harm's way, but they choose to do it anyway because that's their calling and what they're yeah. trained to do. My gosh, it's just amazing um, what doctors are doing and all the staff, nurses, uh, everyone else involved in the healthcare field. It's just, it's heroic. It, it really is. And I always just wonder, you know, what people like you and I can do to help. And really what he kept saying is what I keep hearing is stay home, wash your hands, just stay yeah. home. Okay. We are doing that. Um, we have, we have, uh, yeah. Other alumni involved in the response uh, include Joe DeRisi, a Crown 92 alum, UC San Francisco, UC San Francisco professor and co-lead of the Chan Zuckerberg Biohub, who is applying his pioneering work in metagenomic sequencing to trace the spread of COVID-19. And Barbara Ferrer, a Rachel Carson 78 alum, who's on the front lines in her role as the director of the Los Angeles County Department of Public Health. And there are many others, too, who uh, alumni who are working with this. Well, it really is amazing and inspiring that we have so many alumni just out on the front lines of this thing. I've also heard that other alumni in front of the campus are reaching out and asking how they can help. Is that true? It is true. Um, our community is just amazing. Many have asked how they can help. And we're so grateful for their concern and generosity. I mean, as the pandemic escalated, it became clear that having our usual giving day, which was going to be in April, was just not really appropriate. Um, and we could tell that, I mean, these, these times are challenging for, for all of us, but for some, the situation is really bad. It's, it's pretty much dire um, and that's why our campus has instead created the COVID-19 slug support campaign. So together, our, our community, our, our banana slug community, can help support students who are experiencing financial or personal crisis because of the infection and the drastic measures our, our state and our, and our country really have had to take to curb it. So the best way to help students who are vulnerable or facing adversity is to contribute to the UCSE slug support program which is a vital resource for students and helps bridge financial gaps during periods of distress. So you can go to giving.ucse.edu to find the campaign and to donate. And we've already raised more than $2,400 from 35 donors. Oh, that's good. That's yeah. really impressive under the circumstances. My goodness. Exactly. Yeah. Um, 
you know, our students have worked so hard for their achievements and we're so proud of them. And I mean, together we can do this. We can ensure that they have the resources they need to, to stay safe, to be well, and to be successful. So giving.ucse.edu. And thank you very much. All right. So back in February, <laughs> which seems like a lifetime ago, um, the UC Santa Cruz. Sure <laughs> I mean, last week seems like a lifetime ago. <laughs> the UC Santa February? Cruz uh, Genomics Institute facilitated <laughs> research into the novel coronavirus. The Genomics Institute's browser team posted the complete genome of the virus on the UCSE Genome Browser, which is an interactive web-based tool used by researchers all over the world to study genetic data. It's really impressive that they, they put that up and they posted it, but uh, my question is, how will that help? Yeah, exactly. It's hard for us non-science folks to know. Um, well, displaying the, the coronavirus data in the UCSE Genome Browser lets researchers look at the virus's structure and more importantly, work with it so they can research how they want to attack it, according to UCSC Genome Browser Engineer Hiram Clausen. Clausen. So readers can zoom in and out of the genome, and this allows them to see the sequence of bases at the most detailed level, or they can zoom all the way out and see individual genes. The UCSC Genome Browser, as you may know, is among the most important tools ever created by genomics researchers at UC Santa Cruz. By, by establishing a standard interface and protocols for examining genetic information, they've unlocked breakthroughs in bioinformatics and genetics laboratories all over the world. For more information, visit the UCSC Genome Browser website at genome.ucse.edu. And then we have a few more coronavirus news items, don't we, Dan? We sure do. I have an important story to share. Uh, at the beginning of March, also that seems so long ago. Yeah. <laughs> I had the chance to talk. I had the chance to talk uh, on the phone for about an hour uh, about the COVID nineteen crisis with the pandemic's expert and Pulitzer Prize winning science journalist Lori Garrett, yeah. who graduated from UC Santa Cruz in nineteen seventy five. She was a biology major. And by the way, I, I came home and my family said I looked a little bit pale. I mean, it really. It, showed, it, it taught me so much about what we're in for. Yeah. Anyhow, she discussed the deadliness of the epidemic, but she also had this really kind of humanistic uh, way of talking about it, talking about compassionate community-based responses that could keep people safer in the crisis. By the way, this just in today, Vanity Fair magazine just named Lori Garrett, one of its coronavirus Cassandras, uh, oh. Cassandra, <laughs> the figure from... <laughs> from ancient times who uh, had all kinds of unheeded warnings for the rest of humanity. People right. had long warned about this kind of worldwide epidemic taking place, but whose advice and predictions were largely disregarded at our peril, I should add. Now, yeah. she was in China during the SARS epidemic and won a Pulitzer for chronicling the Ebola virus outbreak in Zaire. So she has a tremendous amount of authority, right? Mm -hmm. And she says that the coronavirus is really different from anything we've seen before, leading expert in global health. She's got a particular focus on newly emerging and re-emerging diseases. And she was talking about how it reminded her of a few things, a few things in common with SARS, with MERS, which is Middle East Respiratory Syndrome, and the common cold, but with a lot of nuances we haven't seen before. And that really scared me because you're getting into the unknown. I mean, eventually we'll get to the point where we're going to be able to know, understand the way this thing acts and the mechanics of it. But right now, it's still very much something we're exploring. 
So, uh, so in, in times of crisis like this, with a contagious viral infection spreading across the globe, how can communities look after each other? That's a really good question. And uh, Lori Garrett <laughs> gave me a really vivid example. She talked about attending a co-op board meeting for a 27-floor apartment building in New York City, where she lives, by the way. She oh, suggested okay. that the building could take a detailed census of the most vulnerable residents. Who in the building's elderly and might need assistance with anything, really, but with shopping? Who are the single moms with three kids who has recently suffered injury and needs help? We should have some system in place to look in on them, get extra groceries for them if we get into lockdown mode in that part mm. of New York City. And, you know, by the way, after I spoke with her, it occurred to me, I should add that if, if you help a vulnerable person with things like groceries, you should take every precaution not to inadvertently expose them to the virus or yourself. Uh, She said similar efforts can take place in communities all over the nation. She mentioned UC Santa Cruz and the Santa Cruz community at large. Everyone defines community differently. She said it might be your church or Merrill College, and it might be all the people who love to go dancing out in the wharf. I thought Mm -hmm. that was so cool, by the way, that I was on a radar, because that's a thing, is the dancing. Whatever your community is, you've got the opportunity to take leadership now. This is the chance to say, here are the things we're doing as a community that might be risky right now that we should change. Here's how we should change the behavior here are the people who might need help. Um, now, she's been very outspoken about the Trump administration's bundling, uh, you know, waiting too long to, for a res- uh, meaningful response to the outbreak, as well as its earlier decisions to disband programs that were instituted during the Obama administration to assess and respond to epidemics. She's written op- opinion pieces about this. She's also expressed some alarming concern that change of supply eventually could break down. If you have a problem, for instance, with truck drivers taking ill and having to go into quarantine in mass, that could create some problems for supplies. She said if this happens, getting fruits and vegetables grown in Santa Cruz County, for example, to grocery stores could be a pressing issue. And she said that, once again, turning to community for solutions. If you had a well-orchestrated volunteer situation, you could handle the supply chain. Yeah. Also this month, in regard to the ongoing uh, crisis with Mm -hmm. coronavirus, uh, UC Santa Cruz uh, faculty have been turning to cutting-edge technology, such as our good friend Zoom, to continue teaching <laughs> the academic without, uh, without creating risk. Now, Jody Green is the director of the Center for Innovations in Teaching and Learning, otherwise known as CETL, mm-hmm. at UC Santa Cruz. She's really eager to help colleagues who are facing the unprecedented challenge of shifting to remote instruction for the entire quarter. She's right there on the just hearing the fears and frustrations of faculty and teaching staff who feel overwhelmed by the prospect of redesigning their courses so swiftly for an online format. And these people are just having to go up and running right away, Gwen. It's, it's pretty wild. Now, she's been working 100-hour weeks with oh. her tiny team oh from CETL. Can you believe it? In partnership oh. with Online Education, the Faculty Instruction, Instructional Technology Center, and Academic Divisional Computing, it's unprecedented to move 1,500 instructors into remote teaching, said Green. Yeah. I think it's amazing. I mean, uh, Gwen and I were doing this uh, podcast now, and we're dealing with technology that sometimes cuts out on us, and we've got to get <laughs> jump back in there. I'm just trying to think how that would work when you've got a classroom's worth of us students who are eating. Anyhow, they're moving They've uh, really hard, really fast to do this. Courses can be offered, and uh, there's some advantages. You can do real-time courses, synchronous remote teaching, or pre-recorded, known as asynchronous inst- instruction. Hmm. Uh, but everything poses challenges, right? It's all, uh, it's all very exciting and very new, but it takes getting up to speed. So I'm wishing yeah. them all the best as they make this very crucial transition. 
Absolutely. Um, yeah. And I mean, they had to do it in record time. It's just amazing what they've done. Yes, it really is. My hat goes off to them. It does. Hats. <laughs> Got a lot of sort of uh, sheltering at home hats. It's become my thing. So. Oh, excellent. Yeah. All right. So any other COVID-19 news? Well, nothing except for the fact that I'm really enjoying my various travels to different parts of the garage, you know, during the day. (laughs) Okay, well, that's it for this time. Good, as always, to have you with us, even in this strange and uh, unusual circumstance. Stay safe, stay healthy, stay home, slugs, and we will see you next time. Stay home, everybody. Yeah. All right. Bye. See you soon. (laughs) Bye-bye.